Hey, it's Bradley Stalder here with Sam Chowdhury, one of my friends here in the fancy industry. Sam is from FTN. He's one of the fans, great fancy analysts they have at FTN. He's going to be doing a mock draft with me, redrafting the first six rounds of the BBM4. Sam, I'm really excited to get into this with you. Much more after this. All right, Sam, it's been a couple months since the BBM4 closed and the ADPs closed. Um, we're going to be able to do some reflection in this exercise. I'm really excited to be drafting with you tonight. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. I mean, I haven't like I haven't done any drafts since, you know, this, the actual season started. So it's kind of fun to get back into a midseason. But yeah, it's good. You know, I can't believe it's week 10 already. Like, the whole off season, we're looking forward to the season. It feels like it's just flying by, but yeah, I'm good. How, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, the I'm above expectation for BBM four, so I'm happy with that. I've got my first place uh, FFPC pros versus Joe's team. I'm I was bragging to Sam off air about uh, <laughs> somehow surviving all of the injuries. But uh, the best ball is going to get into full swing once we get to the offseason. So this Stack Hunters podcast happens uh, once every two or three weeks and during the season and then the offseason. We go weekly and it could be having a guest, doing live drafts, whatever. If you're new to Player Profiler and new to the Stack Hunters podcast, uh, my name is Bradley Stalder and I host this. Uh, and I'm excited to bring this uh, best ball content to you. We've had some great guests previously, and we have a great one tonight in Sam Chowdhury of FTN. So, Sam, I'm excited uh, to be drafting with you. Let me set the table for this mock draft. So it is six rounds. We're going to treat it like your, your half PPR underdog BBM4. And the rules of the game, the rules of the draft are you can only draft players who were drafted in that round via ADP. So we'll give some examples here. I'm going to add to the stage. And so for instance, in round one, you could only pick from Jefferson chase McCaffrey, et cetera, all the way through lamb. You can't go diving into round two or beyond. You have to stick with it. And this allows us to have some discussion about which players we're ranking, not only for right now, they're what they went through in the first nine weeks or so of the season, and then what we can think about as some of these best ball platforms are starting to roll out uh, uh, the way too early drafts, like the FFPC, our friends at FFPC, our friends at Underdog Fantasy, um, and other places. So, uh, Sam, I'm excited to be jumping in. Um, and you've got the first pick. Sam and I will be alternating picks as we go through. Uh, it is a snake draft. So, Sam, you're at the 101. Who is the 101 right now? Uh, this is tough. I mean, it's exciting to pick at the 101, but you have the whole board available to you. But I think, I think I'm going to go with uh, Tyree Kill here. I, you know, the, I don't think they're – I guess – Aside from CMC, I mean, there there isn't a player that gives you a higher ceiling and floor on a week-to-week -week basis. I mean, last week was somewhat disappointing, but, like, some of these receivers, I mean, you'd be lucky to get 60 yards any given week. So, 
you know, he leads the league in receiving touchdowns, receiving yards. I mean, he's a lock to get you over 100, almost 130 receiving yards per week. So that's a locked in 13 points right there, let alone the reception. So I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to go with the cheetah here. Look, that was going to be my pick at the 101, so I agree with you. He's uh, certainly there. I think it's going to be really hard for us to move away from Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be my 102. He just scores all of the touchdowns. It's clear that the San Francisco offense runs through him, um, and he's the RB1. It was. I know that there have been structural reasons why many people moved away from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, a lot of arguments for uh, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver starts, um, and the fragility of McCaffrey that we saw. Uh, he hasn't missed significant time this year, only missed uh, a little bit of that Browns game, I believe, um, but mostly durable, and he has capable backups. So you're taking – you know, obviously Tyreek Hill, 150 yards almost like every game. But McCaffrey gets your touchdown. He gets your receptions, even in half PPR. Um, I like McCaffrey over uh, the rest in this round one. Sam, you're up with pick number three. Yeah, on back to your CMC point, I think that was a big flaw in my game too. You know, I was so honed in on the structure, and I, I really like the running backs coming back to me. But I definitely – um underestimated how how much cmc can continue to laugh the field i mean it's nothing new as as long as he's been healthy i mean we've seen the same thing from you know he's a game breaker but yeah it's just i i've been going after the, the receivers especially from any anywhere i mean 101 obviously you had justin jefferson chase was a consensus too but like cmc would be there at three and i'd still pass him by for one of the receivers that i'm taking here and this is pretty tough you know you got this really nice tier of wide receivers so sort of uh pick your flavor here um ultimately i think i'm gonna go with stefan diggs i think uh it may seem a little bit early for stefan diggs but i think i'm also projecting it for the rest of the season i mean you see this guy he has a 32 percent target share this season 28 percent target per route run he's putting uh career year numbers and this guy i mean he's had elite ceilings before ever since he's been to buffalo but I think there's still more upside that uh, we have yet to see. And you see, even when Josh Allen, you know, has a mediocre game or dodge, you know, Stephon Diggs always finds a way to get there. Even the the rest of the uh, Buffalo receiving core is hard to count on, but you, you can consistently rely on uh, consistent production on Stephon Diggs. And I think there's still a big uh, season ahead for him. So, yeah, give me Diggs here at 103. I like it. It's not as spicy as it may have been during when we were originally drafting. Uh, this is spicy, though, because Jefferson and Chase were the consensus wide receivers one and two going into the season and how things have changed. <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. Knowing that Dallas Goddard has uh, a fractured arm I think does play into uh, play into here that AJ Brown for me at 104. He's the wide receiver two on the season, 22.6 fantasy points, six touchdowns so far. I mean, he's already eclipsed a thousand receiving yards through nine games, Sam. Uh, and now Goddard is out. I know that this means good things for Devonta Smith, but it maintains AJ Brown's floor and gives him continues to give him ceiling. So, I like A.J. Brown at 104 
once again, feeling a little spicy, but maybe it's arguments against Jefferson and Chase. Chase dealing with back injury for right now, like the proximate injuries, but also like we have not seen Chase just continue to to crush for fantasy. We've seen some good games here and there, but this hasn't been the game-breaking games from Chase. And then also Jefferson, we have questions not only short-term about Josh Dobbs and the return from the IR, but also long-term. Is it going to be Kirk Cousins? Are the Vikings going to trade up and draft a quarterback? Are they going to sign a free agent? Like the outlook for Justin Jefferson is very unclear. And while we love his talent, we know that Kirk Cousins is a capable enough quarterback to get him the fancy points we want. Uh, we just have questions of if that's going to be the case in the future, given uh, his Achilles injury. Yeah, and with the, I mean, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were 101 and 102 respectively, but I think all of us going into the season, I mean, I don't think if I if I told you uh, before the season that A.J. Brown was going to just going to outscore Justin Jefferson straight up, barring any injuries, I don't think it would have shocked us too much. And then, I mean, even when he was healthy, you know, it was him and uh, Tyreek Hill. They were still at the top of the tier, but I mean, they, they, I mean, Adrian Brown had a slow start this season, but you look at his production now and compared to Justin Jefferson, I mean, just what we've seen recently from Adrian Brown is even better than Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, given the uncertainty behind quarterback and then how he's going to look coming back from his injury or when he's going to come back, I think it's a good tiebreaker to lean in Adrian Brown's favor. So I, I would have gone the same way as you. All right, you're up, Sam. 105. 105, and I, I think you made a lot of good points about Jamar Chase, and uh, he is dealing with an injury right now. I mean, there's a chance that he doesn't play this upcoming week. But I think the Bengals' offense is sort of rounding back into form. You know, uh, Joe Burrow even went publicly and said that uh, before the game that he wanted to feed T. Higgins and to uh, keep his guys happy. Someone made a interesting comp about how Peyton Manning does the same thing. You know, he likes to keep his guys happy. And it was a game they were controlling, so... You know, we saw T. Higgins have that blow-up game, and that is something that we should expect. You know, both these guys should be alpha wide receiver ones if they were on different teams. So you you are going to have some of those weeks where it's going to be a T. Higgins week, a Jamar Chase week, or when they both just pop off. But ultimately, give I, I'm I'm a little I'm still a little bit more concerned about Justin Jefferson's injury, and I still don't know what it's going to look like with Joshua Dobbs. So I'm going to buy into the Bengals' offense, and I think you can still survive. Um, if he, if he misses this week, you know, Jamar Chase, he hasn't had those blow. He, I mean, he's had like a few blow up games, but he hasn't had that consistent production. But still, overall in the season, you know, he's still at the top of the tier. And as far as wide receiver goes, so yeah, I, I think five is a nice discount from where he's going preseason. Yeah, we look at Jamar Chase. He's had two of his last four games. He's been a top four wide receiver he also had a 26 point outburst week three um against the la rams so he has had his spike weeks for sure but we've also you know been been disappointed with some of his performances but now the Bengals, as you said are rounding out joe burrows a lot healthier um <sighs> wow uh this is interesting uh, I've got a question, Sam. Is Taylor Swift going to arrive at these uh, Kansas City Chiefs games? Because the answer is going to lead me to decide whether to draft Travis Kelsey or not. I don't know if you've seen the stats. I don't know if the FTN tools can filter for Taylor Swift presence at games or not. But 
Uh, actually, no joke. We are uh, doing a marketing campaign where we are going to include that in the split stool because we we parse it down to the data with and without Taylor Swift. So we just gotta manually add a Taylor Swift option. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna post a tweet about it here in this upcoming week. But yeah, that's something that's definitely in the works. It it is pretty drastic. That's phenomenal. As much as Kelsey has had his ups and downs relative to his previous seasons. Uh, the reality is he's still, uh, he's been outscoring a lot of other tight ends. I know that in the, in the recent couple of weeks, Taysom Hill has been the hot thing. Uh, but Travis Kelsey is still the number one receiver on this team. Um, he's still the engine that makes the chiefs run. And even if Patrick Mahomes is not his top three self, you know, he's con- going to continue to lean on Kelsey uh, I'm still taking the positional advantage of Travis Kelsey here at the 106. Yeah, that's a great pick, especially in best ball. You know, um, that when you have when you have a tight end that can separate, especially in the playoffs, it's so hard to make up those points. I know last year, you know, if you just had if you made it to the playoffs and you have happen to have Kittle, you know, in the first round, like you were already lapping the field, especially when a position like that puts up 20 and no one else can uh, match that score. It's a huge advantage for sure. So I do like that pick. Um, and then with my pick, I'm going to go with uh, C.D. Lamb. And I think uh, mm-hmm. I, I probably am a little anchored to what we've seen from him the past couple weeks. Because, you know, he was another guy that got, got off to a slow start. But you look at him, I mean, these are just monster numbers. So week eight through nine, he has a 52% air yard share, which, you know, that's hard to wrap your head around. Like over 50% of the air yards are going to C.D. Lamb. So We've been, I mean, he was barely above uh, 25% target share in any of his other games. And you see back to back, he has a 41% target share in week eight, 37% target share in week nine. And these are, you know, close games. So, and especially with Dallas, I mean, they have a pretty nice game uh, this week against the Giants. Yeah, I'm probably pretty concerned about CD Lance production in a game like that. But Towards the back half of the season, when they are playing for seeding in these competitive matchups, you know, they're going to face Philly again here in a couple of weeks later this month. You know, you, you can see CeeDee Lamb sort of separating himself from the pack. So, yeah, like I said, maybe I am anchored to the last couple of games, but I don't know how I could pass up CeeDee Lamb at 107 here. I was thinking about taking CeeDee Lamb at 106. So I see what you're getting at there. CeeDee Lamb, uh, the wide receiver one and wide receiver two respectively over the last two weeks. So yes, anchoring yourself there, but even before those weeks, he did have a couple other hundred yard receiving games and uh, he went four for 77 against the giants, not atrocious, didn't destroy your team, but uh, I have a little bit of concern that just like you, you alluded to this game is going to be a little disappointing uh, for the fantasy stars for Dallas, just the the Giants are rolling out Tommy DeVito for crying out loud. Yeah, and like, and I think that, that that's sort of why uh, you're consistently getting CD Lamb towards the back half of the round because we just see this Dallas offense. You know, they just have these games where you know the offense doesn't have to do much, or even in a competitive game, the offense just collapsed, and we had no idea what this offense was going to look like with Mike McCarthy, but. Yeah, like I said, I mean, what we've seen in the last couple games, their pass rate over expectation has skyrocketed. So hopefully it's a trend that we see continue moving forward. And I don't know why you'd get away from it when it's working so well for you. 
honestly, I mean, they should have knocked off Philly the last game. It was more uh, self-inflicted errors that really cost them the game. So I think we should expect more of the same with this offense. And just more, it doesn't have to be, I guess, as competitive as we saw last week. When it's not a blowout scenario, I think their pass rate is going to be elevated throughout the season. Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, week 10. Let's go, baby. <laughs> it's, got, it's got to be this week. I mean, if, if not this week, it's not going to happen. But I'm with you. I, I think this could be a big Pollard week. Don't say that, Sam. Don't say that. I'm a, I believe in Tony Pollard. Um, I'm going to go with Austin Eckler. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Justin Jefferson, not in the first eight picks so far. Sam, Sam's like auto click pick number nine. But Austin <laughs> Eckler has... He's played well when he's, you know, bad back and he's healthy right now. He scored a couple touchdowns in the most recent game. And with Justin Herbert struggling to move the ball, you know, downfield with injuries to Mike Williams, with injuries to Josh Palmer, and now with uh, Quinton Johnson doing diddly squat, like Darius Davis is outscoring him because of, you know, return touchdowns. Austin Eckler is the centerpiece of this offense. And, and uh, look, when they get into the goal line, it's going to be Eckler either receiving or rushing the ball. Either way, uh, he's been, when on the field, one of the, one of the more exceptional running backs still in the league. So at 108, I think that that's just fine, uh, given who else is still in the board for picking out of round one. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. And, I mean, especially without Mike Williams, you're seeing the target uh, just condense around Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. So, yeah, definitely can't go wrong with Austin Eckler. I mean, he, the dude still keeps finding the ends. And I don't know how it's possible, but he keeps doing it. So, yeah, great pick there. And I'm actually going to pass up Justin Jefferson for another receiver here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Cooper Cup with this one. I mean, we, we've seen the last couple weeks haven't been great for him, but the underlying metrics have still been really promising. You know, he had a 24% target share the last game. Obviously, it was with Brett Ripien, but it's just the kind of guy he is. I mean, he continues to command targets, but you see week six through seven, he had a 47% target share, 32% target per route run rate, dropped down to 23% week seven, jumped up back to 30% in uh, week eight. So, the production is going to get there. We've already seen it ceiling just uh, as soon as he came back his first two games. And, you know, I, I think the breakfast narrative is still strong. I think Stafford is going to come back healthier. He may miss one more game, but I'm not really too worried looking at the rest of the season. And I, like I said, I think Cup and Justin Jefferson, if both their uh, circumstances were completely even, it wouldn't shock me if Cup outscored Justin Jefferson straight up, you know, and that was if Kirk Cousins was playing. So, it's just an easy tiebreaker for me that I'm expecting Stafford to come back. Cup is completely healthy, so I think it's all pretty nice value at 109 here. You cannot make me draft Bijan Robinson, Sam. <laughs> I'm taking Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I mean, what's left on the board is Bijan Robinson, Nick Chubb. So process of elimination. I, I don't love it either, but. Give, give me Bijan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then Nick Chubb, unfortunately, due to the due to the ACL and knee injury, is going to be the, the 12th pick. But also allows me uh, to put Chubb in there and say, 
give a piece, give a blurb. Uh, now we're at the end of round one. For those who just are joining us, Sam Chowdhury of uh, FTN is joining me, and we are redrafting the first couple rounds of Underdog Best Ball Mania based on the ADPs uh, at the end of August. So we've identified uh, and ranked and drafted the players from round one, uh, given a lot of different lenses and what we know about the players from the first nine weeks and um, what we expect for the rest of the season and what can be for the future for BBM five and beyond. So all three of these lenses are things that we're discussing as we're drafting these players. Round two has gotten a little wonky and it could be anybody's game here in round number two. But before we get into round number two, there's a great show that exists here on player profiler. It's called the dominator and it happens every Saturday at 9 PM. You need to be checking it out, guys. If you are needing start, sit, help, Billy Muzio and myself are one of the top rankers in Fantasy Pros Actually Rankings Contest. Billy's won the whole thing before, and uh, and right now I'm 25th overall out of about 200 rankers in uh, accuracy. So uh, Billy and I are bringing you some of the best uh, and most accurate rankings in the industry. So make sure you guys are checking that out Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Billy and I are there for about a half hour to we, we sometimes stretch it to 45 minutes, Sam. Uh, we, we stretch it for the people. We do it for the people uh, and we answer your start sit questions. So check it out. There is definitely a solid watch. Billy uh, is one of the best and uh, also a great friend in the industry. So make sure you guys are checking that out on Saturdays. Now we're getting into round two. And man, oh, man, there are, you look at round two and it's just so many flawed players, right? And it could be any one of these that you can pick from. I'm going with Amon Ross St. Brown still. I believe in the target share. Uh, we know that Jameson Williams is not going to be an impediment to Amon Ra. Uh, Sam Laporta has developed, but I think that's a, a high tide rises, uh, lifts all boats, right? Uh, that's the phrase. And I think that that's a good thing for the Lions offense. So Amon Ra St. Brown, give me that at the 201. Yeah, you mentioned all these guys have red flags. I think Amon Ra is the one guy that we can't really poke any holes about. I mean, he's arguably had the safest four in all of fantasy. He's had 100 receiving yards or a touchdown every single game. So, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, with that said, I think I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Devontae Adams here. You know, we have we've had a few brutal weeks from him. I thought, uh, you know, the change in coaching staff and quarterback would help him. It didn't pan out uh, the most recent week. But I think that uh, with the way the team um, is trending, I think we'll see Devontae Adams continue to be that target dominator that we're used to. I mean, the first game with Aiden O'Connell, he had a 45% target share. I don't think that just evaporates because he had uh, a down week, uh, the most recent outing. So, I think we're going to get some good Devontae Adams uh, game sooner or later. Maybe he's not worth the second round pick, but I can't say anyone who's left on the board really should have been going the second round right now. So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's real rough right now, Sam. So I think, I think I'm going with Saquon Barkley here. And this is more of a floor play. Because Saquon Barkley, looking at his game logs, he's had one game below running back 16 uh, in games that he's played. And he's just getting a massive amount of opportunity. So 
it's it's been really tough sledding but given the limited options here in the second round like give me a guy who you know you're gonna plug in you're gonna get you know 14 to 18 fantasy points and even with a really bad offense tommy devito last week you know and daniel jones and tarod taylor right he's he's still gotten you high end running back to um output and i'd rather have some of that safety given some of the other um given some of the other options here in round two and uh with my pick i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with jalen waddle here he's another guy that uh he's sort of taken more uh a, a more of a backseat uh than even last season last season we saw both of these guys sort of have their spike weeks you know interchangeably and they or they both just get there in the same week waddle hasn't had quite that ceiling but He's out-targeted Tyree Kill uh, more often than not. I mean, almost nearly half the game, especially recently, his target per route run rate has actually been a lot higher than Tyree Kill. So obviously Tyree Kill should 100% be going higher than um, Jalen Waddle. But I still think that Waddle will give you a safe floor. And I mean, this is a historic offense, you know, just based on the numbers alone. Um, it's one of the most efficient offenses we've ever seen in NFL history. And I think Waddle is going to have some better weeks ahead. He has been banged up recently. But, yeah, again, it just goes back to the second round is pretty bleak, so I kind of want to just bet on a good offense here. Yeah, I think we'll we'll continue to draft from good offenses, and that's going to be Devonta Smith. You know, in light of the Goddard injury, I think Devonta Smith, even though he's had his ups and downs, he's had his spike weeks, but that's what we want. It's just that Devonta Smith is way more consistent with Goddard out of the lineup. He still has his spike weeks. Give me Devonta Smith at the 205. And then with the 206, I'm going to go with uh, a guy that we haven't had a good game, you know, since week one, probably. And uh, it'll, it'll be Tony Pollard. We talked about it earlier. I think this could be a week where he bounces back. You know, he has the most consecutive touches in the NFL without scoring a touchdown. Like I said, he hasn't scored since week one. And I think that will uh, eventually, uh, I think regression will eventually start to hit him. I think he definitely finds the end zone in this matchup. But yeah, it's betting on a good offense. We love the volume. You, the running back position as a whole, you know, they're, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty bleak right now. So at least I, I, I feel comfortable with Pollard's touches. Hopefully the fantasy production will come sooner rather than later. So. Hopefully. It's, it's a lot of hopefullys here with yeah. <laughs> with Tony Pollard. Uh, next up, I'm going to go with uh, the quarterback two on the season in fantasy points. We're going to see the first quarterback off the board, and that's a quarterback that has been a top five quarterback each of the last five weeks, and that's been Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts, I know he's been dealing with the knee injury, so the rushing's been down a little bit over the last three weeks, uh, but you know, this is a player that is such a consistently high floor, but high ceiling quarterback every week, just so dependable. And uh, I think he's going to be worth picking in these in the second round. I know you're going to take your shots later on. And like if you're redrafting, you know, we're going to be wanting to take shots on like the Sam Howells of the world and the Baker Mayfields of the world to give us some nice floors to have access. But as this exercise showed, the second round is filled with a lot of flawed players. And so there's not a lot of flaws in Hurts' game. He's going to be a very secure player for you. 
so I'm taking him at the 207. Uh, and then the 208, I think I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the big dog here. Give me Derrick Henry. One thing that um, was sort of um, concerning is uh, his snap share did back below 50% last game with Will Levis. But one thing I do like is he gets all he gets all the backfield touches. He stays above a 70% rush share. So if they have to take him off the field when they're not utilizing the running back, that's completely fine. You know, if you can still give me over 20 carries a game, nearly 100 rushing yards, you know, coin flip to find the end zone, that's more than okay in the second round. Oh, man. This is, a, this is a tough one. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Chris Olave. It's, it's, it was neck and neck between Olave and Garrett Wilson for me. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver 22 on the season, Olave like leads the entire universe in unrealized air yards. So, uh, eventually he's going to have to hit, right? So oh, give yeah. me Olave at this point. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take the other guy. I'm going to take Garrett Wilson here. Um, you know, he leads the entire NFL in air yard share 49.1%. Uh, 32.79 uh, target share. So obviously we haven't seen as many huge gains just because of his quarterback at Zach Wilson. You know, we don't feel great about that, but that's why you're getting him in the back of the second round. And I mean, he, he's so honestly, from what we've seen with uh, Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson, I think it is a lot better than uh, what I expected. I, I thought it was nearly uh, a lost season for Garrett Wilson, but it's been fine. He's been usable. He slots into your lineup pretty regularly. So, yeah, he's a back end wide receiver too most weeks. Uh, so, mm, I believe Zay Jones coming back is going to be good for Calvin Ridley. I don't know if you guys have run the splits there, but Calvin Ridley is a completely different player when Zay Jones is on the field. And I think with Zay Jones hopefully getting healthier with that knee. We're going to see a different Jaguars offense. Calvin Ridley over Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah, and then by process of elimination, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he – I mean, the, I think the elite quarterbacks have done well just because of the state of the quarterback position. But Patrick Mahomes himself hasn't had that same ceiling that we're accustomed to. And it's not really on him as much as the defense is just balling out and he doesn't have to do as much. And it's Travis Kelsey and no one else. So, I mean, you can't really blame Mahomes for the lack of production, but he's fine. He looks completely fine. Just like I said, they just haven't been pushed the same way because that's out defense. So, yeah, I'll take Mahomes at the end of the second. And then, Sam, you get the 301 oh, yeah. as well. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Keenan Allen here. You know, the, he's another guy with the past couple weeks haven't been as great as uh, early in the season, but it's more of just a function of not finding the end zone. I do think overall that Mike Williams being on the field was better for Keenan Allen. His target share hasn't changed as much as you'd expect. He still had nearly a 30% target share with, in games with Mike Williams because Austin Eckler wasn't there either, so that sort of plays into it. But it was only funneled between these two. And now it's just Keenan Allen – Austin Eckler and there's a whole other group of wide receivers. So his target share hasn't been as different and he hasn't found the end zone. That's why we haven't seen those monstrous ceiling games, but I still think they're coming. He looks completely fine, you know, 30 plus years old and he still looks great on the field. So he, he's probably a guy that should be going the second round for being honest. So I like him in the third here. 
I like him in the third as well. I'm still going to take Jameer Gibbs here in the early third round. I know that there's been a lot of love for David Montgomery, and Montgomery's played very well, but I think Jameer Gibbs has proven to the uh, coaching staff, you can listen to what Dan Campbell say, said over the last few days uh, of whether David Montgomery is going to get the full workload. And he's already come out and said, like, Jameer Gibbs like deserves more work, and and he's earned a, a role, a significant role. And so I think Jameer Gibbs with the pass-catching work and also sprinkling in a few more touchdowns, that's what was tough for, for Gibbs and for Swift last year was they just fell short of the end zone just so happened to be wrong side of touchdown variance. Uh, Gibbs on a really good offense. Uh, I like him moving forward, even in a half PPR scenario. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to go with another running back. I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs, which mm. is pretty crazy. You know, this is sort of where we were getting him um, during draft season here in the early third round. Sometimes even mid to late third round with the contract situation, but. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was tough sliding early in the season, but now it's pretty much everything we expected. He's he's a do it all back. He doesn't leave the field. He's uh, above a seventy seven percent snap share on the season. We saw this team rally around their new head coach, and he continued to just get fed. And if the offense looks better, that just means more scoring opportunities for Jacobs. He scored in each of the last two weeks. He still has a nice passing game role, and yeah, if this offense can be functional, I mean, I guess it doesn't even have to be functional. If Jacob's going to get nearly 30 touches a game, you know, give me all of that in the third round. Yeah, you passed up the uh, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen stack there, Sam. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, shucks. <laughs> uh, but that does allow for Josh Allen to be selected here as well. Josh Allen, even though he has had some of the injuries and the, the, the Bills offense has struggled from time to time, he's still arguably one of the top tier uh, quarterbacks, uh, elite floor, elite ceiling. And with the, um, with the injury to Damian Harris, Latavius Murray just not, has not converted at the goal line. That's been a problem. And so bringing in Leonard Fournette might be an alleviation to that tension, but maybe it's not. And that may require Josh Allen to continue to be a red zone end zone threat. Uh, so give me Josh Allen here at three Oh four. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mark Andrews here. I think the, the – I mean, we, we talked about how valuable it is to uh, separate at the 1D position, you know, obviously with the elite quarterbacks and the elite tight ends. And, I mean, what I, what I saw from TJ Hawkinson with Joshua Dobbs, that was really encouraging. I, I hope that keep keeps up. I mean, I'm a guy that has a lot of TJ Hawkinson. I was sort of passing by this Mark Andrews group because I, I was really into – Hawkinson, I thought he could mirror Andrews' production. Maybe he can continue to keep it up with Joshua Dobbs. But here in the third round, I still think Andrews is probably the favorite to be the tight end to the rest of the season, just with the uncertainty behind Dobbs, if it stays, if it's sustainable or not. But, yeah, I'll take the separator here at tight end. All right, and give me some Debo Samuel here. I know he's been dealt dealing with injuries, and the game that he – you know, did not perform well recently, was also due to the injuries, but now he looks to be healthy. And when he's healthy, you know, this is a player that can pretty easily get into your, uh, you know, wide receiver eight, wide receiver 12 um, on uh, lots of targets, you know, nine and 12 targets in weeks two and three before he, you know, had been dealing with some of the injuries and whatnot. So 
Uh, give me some Debo Samuel in the spike week scenario like this. Yeah, and similar to you, since we're drafting for the reps this season, we don't have to worry about what happened early in the season. So I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor here. We finally saw him uh, almost take full command of the backfield in their last game. You know, season high in snap share, rush share, 100% of snaps inside the 10-yard line. So he wasn't getting siphoning off at the goal line from Zach Moss. Like we saw um, two weeks ago, which you, know, you, you could sort of see since he came back, it was sort of uh, starting to move in, the, in his direction progressively. And finally, we saw almost a full takeover. And when you pay a guy, you know, you, you should have expected that uh, come sooner rather than later. So if Jonathan Dale, if he keeps up the snap share, I mean, he could argue, arguably be a first round pick if he keeps up uh, his production down the stretch. So I like him here near the back end of the third round for what could be, you know, a top five running back rest of the season. Yeah, I, I see Jonathan Taylor. That was a great pick there. I'm kind of kicking myself. I, I like the the Taylor pick there at 307. Um, I like Amari Cooper as well here. Um, he's had his ups and downs, certainly, but Deshaun Watson looks to be back. And the Browns, as you could tell, took advantage of a bad Arizona offense or bad Arizona defense and uh, were able to air it out a lot. So I think Amari Cooper at the end of the third round, he is feast or famine, but this is a best ball format and give me some of the feasting of Amari Cooper paired with a healthier Deshaun Watson. And uh, I'm going to, this is sort of a tough one for me. Actually, you know, I, I like T Higgins here. I, I drafted uh, Chase earlier and I talked about these guys sort of, um, going back and forth in spike weeks. If Jamar Chase is banged up, you know, that's great news for T. Higgins. But I think T. Higgins, I'm sort of uh, willing to look past uh, his early season struggles. I think it was just a function of the whole offense struggling. Obviously, he had injuries of his own, so I'm excluding the games where he played less than 50% of the snaps. But even when he wasn't putting up numbers, you know, he was top three in the NFL in air yard share. And obviously, that was with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase and him were uh, similarly in uh, target here. And that's because we've seen Jamar Chase play a career high uh, usage in the slot. And his ADOT has been a lot lower. So T. Higgins has a specific role in this offense. And we just saw him blow up against the Bills last week. So, yeah, I, I like T. Higgins in this spot. I'll take one of my favorite third-round picks, and that's Lamar Jackson. Uh, we, we have seen Jackson hit some of the lower – uh, floor games that we're not co as comfortable with the, without injury. Like Gus Edwards has certainly been used around the goal line a lot. Uh, Keaton Mitchell had a nice game in week nine, but Lamar Jackson, I'm still a believer in his rushing and a believer in the, the wide receivers and Mark Andrews, Zay flowers, you know, has sputtered a little bit as of late. I need him to get back into it for some of my fantasy teams. Uh, but Lamar Jackson here, I think in the back end of the third round offers as much upside as any of the other quarterbacks that we've drafted so far. And uh, in this spot, I'm going to take DK Metcalf. I mean, th th this has been pretty brutal. The whole Seattle offense looked terrible against Baltimore last week. But uh, DK Metcalf, you know, he was coming back from injury. He had a season high in uh, target share and targets two weeks prior. But I, I think... 
you know, I think it's sort of a combination of both Geno Smith sort of uh, struggling um, to get his feet underneath them and DK Metcalf slowly coming back from his injury. But I think better days are ahead. So I still like the ceiling for him. And I will finish off the round with the Ramondre Stevenson. Before we get into round number four, a word from our sponsors. All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users. What do you want? What do you need? And we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report. And if you want to create a new report, but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data. Show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the Fantasy Tools section, click on Data Analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data-analysis. That's right. Let's get into round number four. The Data Analysis tool is great at Player Profiler. Round number four, it's Brees Hall for me. Uh, this is a player, just extremely high upside. I'm surprised that he is hanging out here in round four. I know a lot of people were scared off by the ACL injury, have no fear anymore. It would not surprise me um, if Brees Hall is not only a first-round pick, but is in contention with McCaffrey as the running back one overall for next year. I, I, I think you can uh, copy and paste that same sentiment to Travis Etienne. I mean, this dude has been a stud the whole season. Yeah, I mean, he, you were getting him at the end of the fourth round, sometimes even uh, as late as the fifth round in certain drafts when he'd fall. And if you uh, sort of went with the zero RB and took your uh, first running back round four, round five in the dead zone that we typically avoid, you'd have a do it all bell cow back with Travis Etienne. You know, I'd be completely fine if he was my RB one. And if you just got him in the fourth round, you know, that's incredible value. And Jacksonville's offense, they haven't looked great, but as far as rushing goes, they're top five in DVOA. For the 49ers, you know, we think of as a tough defense, but they've been susceptible against the run. So he can have another solid game in this outing. We saw Joe Mixon carve up the 49ers last time. So, yeah, bell cow back in the fourth round. It's not often that you can get a bell cow back that's so young, too. I mean, he's practically still his uh, second season in the NFL. You know, he missed his first season. So I like betting on young back, especially if they have all the volume like ETN does. Yeah, and Tank Bigsby is uh, is not a thing for right now. <laughs> no. DJ Moore is my pick at the 403. Uh, the wide receiver one for the Bears has had, obviously, his massive spike weeks. I think uh, Justin Fields will be just fine after he misses this Week 10 game. I think uh, we'll get back to seeing DJ Moore with a massive target share, air yard share, uh, and we'll go from there. I, I'm... Aside from the field's injuries, I think fancy drafters were pretty happy with that DJ Moore, Justin Fields double tap that usually occurred around the three, four turn or the four, five turn depends on when you were drafting. 
Yeah, and I'm going to go with uh, DeAndre Hopkins here. We, You know, we saw him in the first game with Will, uh, Will Levis. He blew up for four touchdowns, but his last game, you know, 60, uh, 60 yards, it, it isn't great, you know, when he doesn't find the end zone. But honestly, I was a lot more encouraged in, in their last game because he had a 30% target share, 30% target per route run rate, and that's more of a sticky stat. You know, he was only at 20% when he blew up the week before, so – he sort of showed two ways to get there. And I, I think that's sort of what we should expect more often with Will Levis. You know, just a young quarterback relying on his alpha weapon. And even Will Levis, you know, he didn't have a great game for fantasy, but he was uh, miles better as a passer against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a tough defense. So, and I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a really good uh, week this upcoming matchup. So, yeah, I mean, he he he's on the wrong side of 30, but he hasn't slowed down yet, especially with the trail on Burks injury, who can never stay on the field. You, you got him competing for targets with Nick Westbrook, Akeen, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore. So I think he's going to continue to dominate targets. So, yeah, give me hop. Don't besmirch <laughs> Kyle Phillips, Sam. Come on now. <laughs> he, he, he had a good game. He did have a good game. No, just teasing you. Uh, Aaron Jones is my pick at the 405. Uh, he looks healthy. He looks back at it. He just finishes the running back seven in week number nine against the LA Rams. And uh, the coaches want to continue to lean on him pretty heavily. He had 26 opportunities, 20 rushes, six targets in that game. Um, and I mean, what do the Packers have to lose other than just run Aaron Jones into the ground? They can't trust Jordan Love. That's clear. So Aaron Jones is going to need to be the the focal point of this offense because love can't get the ball to christian watson that's the thing is watson's the best player on the team but he can't get it to him so give me aaron jones in the fourth round yeah and we want to be cautious of coach speak but you know lafleur did say that this was finally going to be the week that they quote unquote unleash aaron jones and you know for for them unleashing Aaron Jones is getting above a 50% snap share, which he barely surpassed. But, you know, I mean, that, that's the first time all season he's done it. So maybe it's a progressive trend. But, I mean, this dude, we've seen him his whole career. He, he only needs to hit 50% of his snaps to give you that game-breaking ceiling any given week. So, yeah, but that's a really nice value there for sure. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, Joe Mixon. I feel like he's sort of the opposite of Aaron Jones. He has all he has all the snaps. You know, he, he's near that Josh Jacobs over 75% snap share. But then it's like Tony Pollard. You know, they have, these guys expected fantasy points. It's, you know, top the league uh, every single week. They get all the red zone opportunities, all the touches inside the goal line. But unlike Pollard, we've seen recently Mixon actually uh, find the end zone. It should have been something that we uh, that we should have expected. You know, I remember last season he had the same problem, and then he breaks off for four touchdowns in one game. We haven't seen that four-touchdown game, but we have seen multi-touchdown games, and him just consistently finding the end zone. And it goes back to me just buying back into the Bengals' offense. I think we're sort of seeing uh, what we expected uh, coming in from the preseason. So if they continue to put up points, play from ahead and positive game script, especially also if Jamar Chase is banged up. I think uh, Joe Mixon will continue to gobble up a bunch of volume. Yeah, it kind of stinks for the 106 uh, pick because I already took Jalen Hurts. I don't know if you're going to hold it against me for drafting two quarterbacks here, Sam. Oh, no, I thought, I thought, we, I thought, we, I thought we were just going BPA because, yeah, like you mentioned the Stephon Diggs thing earlier, like no doubt in a, if I was actually drafting yeah. to that specifically, I would have had to stack with Josh Allen. But, yeah, just go yeah. BPA. 
guy here. We're going best player available, and that's Joe Burrow for right now. Burrow is right. I know that the wide receivers are kind of ailing, but that's more of trust in Burrow getting the ball to heck if it's Tyler Boyd. It could be uh, Trent Irwin. It could be whoever. Like Joe Burrow being right still has three plus touchdowns in his range of outcomes. Plus, he's been more rushing more lately. Uh, Joe Burrow at the 407 feels pretty good. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to um, follow you up with another quarterback. I'll go Justin Fields here. Again, like I said, it's a lot different when you're drafting for the rest of the season. I already know that, you know, if, if the season starts today, I'm going to be losing the first week. But I think I could, you know, knowing that going in, I can still get who I think will be probably a top seven uh, quarterback rest of season. You know, I can build. I mean, also need just one more quarterback, hopefully not on a bye this week just to cover my bases. But, yeah, I still think uh, Justin Fields will be a top-eight quarterback, and that's fine in the fourth round, especially relative to the options available who I don't really love. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, like, give me Christian Watson here at 409 uh, over Drake London. London dealing with injuries, um, but also Watson, he's been dealing with injuries, but we've seen – some of his yards per route run still be very good when he was healthy, um, not just last year, but also this year in the healthy games he's played. He himself has played well yards per route run. But as I said, Jordan Love is not the answer for the Green Bay Packers. Um, you can see all the Green Bay paraphernalia in my background. I know very well that Jordan Love is not good at football, uh, but all we're doing is some best ball here. And Watson, we're waiting for those big games to happen. It's going to happen but probably not at the rate that we saw last year with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I, I am going to go with uh, Drake London here. I expect him to come back, but we really haven't seen Drake London ceiling, what it, what, he, what it looks like with a different quarterback. You know, Taylor Heineke, we know, is a competent quarterback under center. And as far as Drake London's underlying numbers go, he, I, he was already pretty usable with Desmond Ritter. You know, excluding week nine when he only played half the game. Uh, you look at his uh, target share, and it, it was at the top of the league. I want to say it was a little above 25. Yeah, no, it was 25% target share, which is all you could really hope for in this Atlanta offense. And I do expect them to be a lot more pass heavier. And, I mean, T Taylor Heineke isn't the best quarterback. <laughs> I mean, he's a, a huge upgrade from Desmond Ritter. So even if he doesn't come back this week, I still think he'd be okay as a fourth-round pick. Probably would like him to fall a little bit more, but still just betting on the talent and hopefully what will be a better offense. All right. I will uh, stick you with Mike Williams here. I'm going to take Najee Harris at the end of the fourth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do the double tap with uh, Mike Williams and Justin Herbert. I got the Chargers stack right here. <laughs> nice. Uh, looking at the rest of – man, this is also pretty ugly. Um you know, Brandon Ayuk has played pretty well. Let's go with Brandon Ayuk. Um, I, th this is going to be interesting. I, who do you think is going to be the wide receiver drafted first in 2024? Is it going to be Debo or is it going to be Brandon Ayuk? You know, I don't ever like to use the injury-prone label on anyone, but I think you could use that as sort of a tiebreaker. I think they will be pretty close the rest of the season. And even when they've both been uh, on the field together, 
Brandon Ayuk has uh, far, uh, he's by far had the highest target share on the team over Debo and Kittle. You know, Debo does have that high ceiling. You know, any, any given play, he can house it. So that's still in his bag of arsenal. But I think uh, Brandon Ayuk, he just feels like the safer guy. Even barring injuries, he still gets more consistent dose of targets. So it'll probably be Brandon Ayuk. But it wouldn't shock me at all if you just see these monster games from Debo down the stretch. And he passes Ayuk. But I think, yeah, for now, that would probably just be a tiebreaker. Um, and then I'm going to go with, you know, I, I actually do kind of like this round. There's a lot yeah. of good options here. For as bad as round two, three, and four were, I, I do like this round better. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson. I mentioned earlier, I don't know exactly what to expect from Do Joshua Dobbs. But one thing that is guaranteed is he loves his tight ends, no matter who it is. You know, Zach Ertz had a monster target share. As soon as he went down, we saw with Trey McBride going into last week, you know, tight ends had a 33% target share with Joshua Dobbs. Like I said, no matter who it was, it was McBride, Ertz, whoever. But Minnesota, you know, obviously they use only one tight end, TJ Hawkinson. One tight end is a pass catcher. You know, they use uh, other blocking tight ends, but Hawkinson's the only one that's actually running routes. And he had a uh, season high in targets the first game with Dobbs. And, yeah, so I, I think that's a, that's pretty sticky, and that is something that uh, we sort of need to pay attention to. Again, I don't know when Justin Jefferson comes back and how he's going to look when he returns. But even then, obviously, Joshua Dobbs isn't Kirk Cousins, but both of them were viable for fantasy, and I think they still can be. We saw even uh, Joshua Dobbs only hone in, like I said, on the targets and Marquise Brown. So I think we can project that in the Minnesota offense. Plus, I, I mean, I mean, I, I love Jordan Addison, but I think it'll still be Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkins at the top of the pecking order. And then Jordan Addison probably is a clear number three. All right. For me at the 504, I'm going to take Deontay Johnson. Even though he's dealt with injuries, in the first half of the season, sixth in target rate on the season and 10th in yards per route run uh, per player profiler. So this is a player you're getting a nice little discount on. He just scored a touchdown, <laughs> his first touchdown with Kenny Pickett. We will take it. Uh, but Deontay Johnson here at the 504 feels like a player that should. Uh, why isn't he going end of the third round, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I never understood. I mean, for most of the draft season, George Pickens was going ahead of Deontay Johnson. I, I, I just, I mean, I, I couldn't understand what that was about. But yeah, I mean, he looked phenomenal um, on the Thursday night Island game. And I mean, I, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think Deontay Johnson is probably a top 12 wide receiver in the league. And he just doesn't get the same credit. I mean, this dude is wide ass open every single play. You know, ESPN did their um open score metric and Deontay Johnson was number one in the entire NFL getting open and you can just see it like you know when he's not in the lens of the camera and then the camera flips back to him there's no one in the same vicinity as him you know that's why he gets all the targets so yeah I, I absolutely love Deontay Johnson I'm a, I'm a big Pittsburgh guy like Deontay Johnson like that's my guy like I, I absolutely love him uh, and then I'm going to go with another wide receiver here. I'm going to go with uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry. And I think we can sort of give him a pass. We see, we've seen in the last month, maybe it's because it was October, you know, it's sort of his season. 
Uh, he's really started to turn things around. He was below an 80% route participation rate in his first two weeks. And we saw, you know, he didn't have great production then. And so I think he was to work his way back. But then from week four on, you know, he had a 26% target share in week four, down to 11 week five. So that was, you know, that was meh. And then uh, week six, it went up to 55% target share. And even last week, you know, it was an okay game, but he saw a 26% target share. And that's a Patriots defense, you know, that they 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 often, you know, I, I hate that Bill Belichick take, takes away your number one option. You know, I don't really buy into that. But, you know, if it is sticky, you know, maybe it was a function of playing the Patriots. But, yeah, what I've seen from Terry McLaurin the last couple weeks, he definitely looks healthier. I still think he's clearly the number one option in the commander's offense. And, honestly, I mean, Eric Enemy is trying to make Sam Howell into Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the dude drops back over 40 times a game. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just great news for Terry McLaurin. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that value of Terry McLaurin here in the middle of the fifth round. A uh, player that has uh, has held up for fantasy, I know he had a bad week last week, uh, is Kenneth Walker. I'll take Kenneth Walker middle of the fifth round. I know that there have been some questions about, oh, is he – you know, losing snaps. And it was factually correct that he was losing, you know, snaps to Zach Charbonnet, but the, there was reason behind it. He had been dealing with injuries. He had been dealing with, uh, you know, injuries that eliminated him at practice. He was listed as questionable for most of those weeks. It wasn't until he started dealing with those injuries that Zach Charbonnet uh, gained more snaps, probably to take some load off. And uh, he just, the game script was not right against Baltimore Ravens. Everything went sideways. Uh, I'm not too worried about Kenneth Walker moving forward. So mid fifth round, the the risk is built in there already, like based on what drafters were already thinking about, about Zach Charbonnet. But Kenneth Walker still has, you know, top 12, you know, consistency volume wise. Uh, and you're able to get him in the middle of the fifth round. I like that value. And uh, I think I, I was thinking about maybe taking another Seahawk here, but I think I think I'm gonna go with uh, the real wide receiver one in Jacksonville. I'm gonna go with uh, Christian Kirk here. And yeah, you you made a great point about uh, Zay Jones. We we do we do have the splits uh, actually within the splits still with Zay Jones. But another thing is Doug Peterson said that uh, he wouldn't rule out Zay Jones for IR. So. It doesn't look like we're going to get him back this week uh, at the bare minimum, but no. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's brutal news for Zay Jones. I mean, like I said, it could be a minimum of uh, four more games, but even after the, after week one, when they mentioned Christian Kirk and Zay Jones usage, Doug, Doug Peterson addresses uh, specifically that they need to get Christian Kirk out there. And, you know, with what he did last season, they can't just have him get phased out of the offense. So, even if Zay Jones returns, I don't think that Christian Kirk is going to leave the field on two wide sets. I mean, how can you after everything he's done this season, you know, going back to last season? So I think his role is more solidified from what we've seen. So, yeah, like I said, I, I think he, I, he I'd probably favor him as the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. And uh, getting down the fifth round, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good bargain. Yeah, for what Christian Kirk has put up for you, pretty consistent high floor, a couple ceiling games as well um uh, I, I will take the seahawk here maybe this is you know the bias with me taking now kenneth walker and tyler lockett but lockett has he we know who he is and that is mr spike week king always undervalued 
even in the back end of the fifth round, you know, we look at some of the game logs that he's put up, not only this season, but in previous years as well. And Lockett, he will pay off in the spike week lens in fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, wherever you're drafting him. Um, and so I like his value over, especially the players that are left here on the board. Yeah, and I'm gonna go with uh, Alexander Madison. Obviously, I mean he, he's been he's been brutal as a fantasy asset, but he did have uh, he had a, he had a good touch for um, before Cam Akers entered the mix. He wasn't getting it done, but he did have one of the best workloads in the NFL, and I think we're gonna see it shift back uh, back towards Madison. Just with they obviously didn't feel great about ha- uh, having Ty Chandler on the field, so. It's again just betting on volume, and they were one of the highest PROE uh, PROE teams with Kirk Cousins. I, I mean, I think ideally they'd like to stay there, but I don't think that'll be sustainable. With Joshua Dobbs, I think they are. Like I said, he looked fine uh, in his debut, barely knowing the playbook. But I think overall they are still going to lean on the run game more than we've seen uh, early in the season. Yeah. So looking at who's left here, it's Jerry Judy, Darren Waller, and Damian Pierce. Uh, it's more of a process of elimination at this point, um, not taking Pierce and not taking Waller, taking Jerry Judy as bad as that sounds. Uh, Judy has been a top 30, uh, three wide receiver, three of the last four weeks. So at least he's getting you something. Waller on IR, and it could be even longer. And Pierce has been dealing with the ankle injury, losing snaps even before then to Devin Singletary not getting goal line work like the Texans completely abandoning the run. Um, Jerry Judy is the best of the worst <laughs> right now. Yeah, the, uh, Honestly, that, that's a great way to put it. That's what it is really at this point. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to go with uh, Damian Pierce. I think right now I probably lean towards Waller, probably not returning to this season. I mean, why would you, you know, Tommy DeVito, you're already out of the playoff picture. You're already going to miss four games. What's the point of coming back uh, in the last couple of games anyways? So maybe, I mean, I, I don't think Damian Pierce is an absolute zero for my lineup. So that's really the only argument I have for making that selection. All right. Well, I am forced to take Waller there. Uh, Mike Evans at the 601. He was a great surprise. Uh, some major spike weeks this year. Always somehow gets, he somehow gets five for like 80. And whether he gets the touchdown is whether or not he's the wide, you know, wide receiver one on the week. So give me Mike Evans as one of the best values uh, if we were redrafting in the sixth round. Yeah, I'm going to uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Marquise Brown. You know, if there's ever a time to, uh, to buy a player off a few down weeks, it's got to be Marquise Brown. We already saw him last season. Uh, with Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, he had almost a actually it was above a forty percent target share. He had nearly a forty percent target share with Joshua Dobbs and Joshua Dobbs. Like I said earlier, it's a great story, but he's one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the league. Kyler Murray isn't a world beater as a passer, but he's he's miles ahead of Joshua Dobbs. And like I said, we've seen this guy had a top five ceiling with Kyler Murray, and we're gonna get him back this coming week. So. I think uh, round six is going to look really silly for Hollywood. Uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if he's just a top eight wide receiver rest of season. So, yeah. If this was redraft, I wouldn't be picking this player. But we're talking best ball here on the Stack Hunters podcast, and we're going to take some Gabe Davis. 
I know he's had his down weeks, his up weeks. When he hits, he hits so big. And uh, even with Dalton Schultz or Dalton Kincaid, not Dalton Schultz, Dalton Kincaid emerging here, uh, Gabe Davis is the field stretcher for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, getting him in the sixth round has been a value so far, even with uh, some down weeks. You knew what you were getting with Gabe Davis. This was much more affordable than it was back in 2022 when he was going in the third round. Yeah, and I talked a lot about earlier separating the tight end position. So I'm going to go with George Kittle here. Obviously, when uh, when Debo and Ayuk are both on the field, his splits are night and day. He's a clear third, sometimes even fourth option behind CMC. But also in a tournament like best ball, which is what we're drafting for, any given week he has that ceiling to get 25 plus. And you can't really say that about many tight ends. You know, these tight ends just don't have the kind of ceiling that Kittle does. So if his spike weeks come anytime throughout the playoffs, he's definitely going to be a guy that you needed to have. And, you know, sixth round is obviously, obviously way too cheap for what he's done the past two weeks with Debo Samuel out. But I mean, this 49ers team, I mean, we, we've just seen, I mean, it's the NFL players aren't going to stay healthy for the whole season. And even at the third option, and actually in our DVOA metrics, we have 49ers as the number one DVOA on offense now they just passed up Miami after their dud against Kansas City so high powered offense elite tight end sixth round like I said he can be a tight end one any given week and if it's in the playoff you needed to have him so yeah I'll, I'll take the dice roll on George Kittle even though it will be pretty volatile but that's the best thing about best ball you know you pair him with a couple late options and just get your usable weeks that'll uh, push you through the season and I'm going to go with Jahan Dotson. He's had two top 10 weeks each of the last uh, each of the last two weeks. Um, and we talked about, uh, like, Dotson felt like a miss up until week number eight when he hit against Philly and then hit again, again against New England. Uh, Dotson had a better spike week and better best ball value rating last year than Terry McLaurin. And you mentioned the pass volume for Sam Howell. If Dotson is the one who's getting the touchdowns, which he we know he has a knack, a knack and a nose for the end zone, then Dotson here as the sixth uh, in the sixth round is is the pick over some other players. It looks like rest of season. So give me some Jahan Dotson. Yeah, and you made a great point about uh, Mike Evans earlier. I'm going to go with Chris Godwin here. I don't think you can really debate uh, who the wide receiver one is um, in Tampa Bay, just from a pure fantasy lens. But you look at their underlying production, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have the exact same target share on the season, which that kind of sounds crazy to say because their fantasy production is nowhere near the same. But that just really has to do with uh, their ADOT, you know, Chris Godwin, which you know, it's a pretty decent aid up for the kind of receiver he's been in his career, 9.43. But, you know, Mike Evans, obviously a lot higher at 13.49. So even that number isn't too far off. But Mike Evans has just been a dude that is always great at finding the end zone. Godwin scored uh, twice. I want to say it was two weeks ago in the Island game. But he's been pretty unlucky with the touchdown. It's not like he's ever been a, a, a poor touchdown scorer. So I think He'll, he'll have games where he continues to find the end zone. And, you know, before last week, Chris Godwin actually had a slightly higher target share than Mike Evans. So I think these guys will be closer um, than they have been up to this point for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I still like them in the sixth round. 
For me, I'll take uh, George Pickens in at the 607. Pickens, uh, you know, has seen a dip in production, dip in target share since Deontay Johnson has returned. Still can't ignore what kind of spike week potential he has and the contingency upside. If we see Deontay Johnson suffer another soft tissue issue, we know who has the dog in him, and it's it's <laughs> George Pickens. Uh, but unfortunately, he's not the alpha on this team for fantasy, which is why he goes later than Deontay. But give me George Pickens here at the 607. And uh, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. I think uh, he sort of has been disappointing in terms of fantasy, but the Jaguars offense is rolling right now. You know, they, they have the longest um, active win streak in the NFL, which I did take a double take at that. That kind of threw me off guard, you know, five and oh. Um, so winning five straight games, no other team, um, no other team has a win streak as long as that right now. So I, I think better days are ahead for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite quarterback, at least not this season. You know, I still think he has, um, he still has ways to go in his career, but regardless, I think he'll be in that top 10 ish range consistently. And that's probably a little bit rich in the sixth round, but Relative to the other option, I still think he's going to be a week, uh, weekend and week out starter for you. So that's fine in the six. And then I'll take uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba here uh, as the last one of the last picks in oh the draft. Yeah, JSN uh, wide receiver 15, 34, and 23 over the last three weeks. We've seen, uh, you know, four of his last five games at least five targets so this is a player that we're waiting for we know what what rookie wide receivers do they start a little slower in the beginning of the season and then they start spiking in the second half of season and uh we're gonna look for jsn to be spiking rest of season yeah and he never had a 70 percent route participation rate in his first three games, but in his last three games, he had uh, 75% uh, in week four, 81% week six, and then a season high 82% week seven. So you're seeing him slowly become, I mean, he pretty much is a full-time player now the last two weeks. You know, the last two weeks are the only time he's been above 80%. So I think that is going to be something sticky going forward. I mean, this is a function of him being on the field, let alone um, progressing as a rookie. So yeah, I, I think I th- maybe he was a little overvalued uh, early in the draft season, but I think uh, a lot of people were drafting him for the playoff weeks, you know, when uh, rookies really start to emerge down the stretch. So he could end up paying off, especially with the Seattle offense if they turn things around, which I think they will this week. Um, and then between these guys, I'm going to take the one guy who's still playing this season in Miles Sanders. You know, he's been relegated to the RB2. He had some uh, nice flashes uh, this last week. Maybe, maybe if he gets healthier, he can um, sort of carve out a carve out uh, a bigger uh, piece in the committee. But yeah, like I said, the other two guys aren't even playing this season, so process of elimination. I'll take Sanders. Uh, so, Sam, this was a lot of fun just to do this little exercise with you to think through rest of season, but also what could be happening for next year as well. This has been a lot of fun uh, doing this exercise um, here with you on the stack hunters podcast and uh, on the player profiler network. I also want to draw your attention guys to 
the Sunday player profiler show where at 12 Eastern on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, there is a start or stream show. It's a mix of player profiler content creators like Maddie Kiwum and Matt Babich. So make sure you guys are checking that out on Sunday at 12 PM Eastern. Sam, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, the people you should follow, they, they should follow you on Twitter at SC underscore FFB. You're at FTN. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing over there. Yeah, a lot of shows during the season. You know, uh, me and David Jones, who's, you know, he's a killer on the showdown streets. Uh, we do our showdown shows on uh, Mondays, um, on the primetime game Monday and uh, Thursday night. And then this Sunday, I'll actually be doing the live before lock Sunday morning for DFS. Throughout the week, I'll be releasing a bunch of articles with, you know, takeaway from the previous week the most important stats to know to make your lineups for the upcoming week. I'll be posting my cheat sheets. I'll update it Sunday morning with guys that I'm bumping or adding to my pool uh, before lock. So yeah, I'll be in the, I'm in the discord answering questions pretty much what my pool will be for both FanDuel and DraftKings. But yeah, that's about it. Just get, mostly just all DFS content right now. Sounds like a lot of fun. Make sure you guys are following Sam on Twitter. All right. Until next time, y'all, on behalf of Sam, I'm Bradley. Good luck in the best ball streets, everybody. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.